Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. To Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. If you want to join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. It's area code 347-838-8368. I'm going to be discussing a lot of issues tonight. Uh, got the uh, situation going on in Oregon. We have the Obama executive order on uh, firearms dealers. Uh, we have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we have the discussion of Ted Cruz and the idea of whether or not he is the actual uh, person who is eligible to run for president in the first place. Uh, that, taking your calls as well. Um, but of course, we like to start every show with this week's headlines. Let me pull them up real quick because I'm having dealing with the minor technical difficulties. Ahead. Okay, this week's headlines. Alabama Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore has issued an order preventing justices from performing same-sex marriages because they have the ministerial duty to not do so. So we just travel backwards in time. Didn't we already settle this? As a resident of Louisiana, I must say thank you to Alabama for being more embarrassing than us. North Korea announced that it successfully detonated a hydrogen bomb after South Korea reported an artificially made tremor. I remain skeptical, considering the information they pass off as news in their country. Next thing they claim to have landed landed on the sun or something. Congress today passed a bill meant to repeal Obamacare. I have lost count as to the number of times they have tried this. Einstein once said the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Well, maybe he didn't use that many overs. Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Piazza were both inducted to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds did not. The home run king has struck out yet again. In another sports news, Sean Payton will stay a saint, something that I, a saint fan, am quite happy about. You might not care about it, but hey, it's for me. Uh, that is this week's headlines. Let's do another one fun thing. Uh, uh, discussing what we'll brag about. I'm trying the hardest to snag defeat out of the jaws of victory in both of my fantasy football leagues. I was actually able to uh, get first place in the big one and second place in the small one. So all in all, pretty good year for me. Um, one of the things that, you know, I wish I could get more funding for the show just because I'd like to be able to afford to pay royalty fees on songs that I would like to play um, because of the fact that I can't afford them with, with, you know, the current funding of the show. And it has to be on. Other shows wind up paying, playing songs that have copyrighted material. And it, I don't know. It seems to me to be in violation of Blog Talk Radio policies. And I don't want to, you know, violate other people's intellectual property. I want to do things on you know, correctly, you know, Block Talk Radio team says that little little clips are fine, but if I wanted to play all the songs, it's definitely not okay, especially if I'm not, like, going through it and, like, you know, using it for academic purposes. But there's a song, it was um, uh, by Tom Lehrer uh, talking about nuclear proliferation, and I would have loved to have been able to open the show with that song. Unfortunately, I can't. But maybe, maybe, hopefully, um, Hold on. Maybe the uh, I will be able to uh, at some point get some more funding, and as such, 
get some more. And as such, uh, get some, be able to do more fun things with the show. And the link to the to that is uh, liberaldan.com. You can find it there. And I am hoping to be able to uh, let's switch things up a bit on the reward levels and what you can get for certain things. Maybe bring down some prices. Maybe bring up some prices. I don't know. It's it's yeah. If I knew how to raise funds, I'd probably be a millionaire already. But raising funds hasn't been the most successful thing for me. I'll just say that. Um, so again, we got a lot of a lot of interesting things going on. The, the Roy Moore thing is just. I mean. If you don't remember, and how can you not remember if you follow politics, Roy Moore is the guy who erected a Ten Commandments monument in the Alabama courthouse. They told him it was in violation of the law, violating, uh, violating um, you know, the First Amendment, establishment of religion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he defiantly, he held on and wanted to keep doing it. And he eventually got kicked off the bench. But now he got elected back to the bench, and because Alabamans love him apparently, and now he's going to keep fighting the quote good fight end quote um, when it comes to this sort of thing, and and just you know you lost, and I mean I guess in order to challenge the ruling, you got to do something that's challengeable. Uh, you know, this this court has proven that it does not believe in stare decisis, it does not believe in just sticking with past precedents, uh, and instead will change precedents, has done so repeatedly since the Bush administration, since Bush nominated these people, you know, Roberts, Alito, those two do not believe in stare decisis at all. <laughs> um, even though Roberts has come on the right side of some opinions, but not all of them, but on some, he's he's managed to do the do the right thing, I guess. Um, and uh, what's your call? Um, anyway, let's go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and take the first commercial break now. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'll start discussing. Uh, we'll start discussing some of the issues pertaining to um, vanilla ISIS and. Uh, taking your calls as well on that issue and others. If you want to call, it's 347-838-8368. That is area code 348-347-838-8368. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn Mass. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. RJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Little Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's here. 
347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. So normally after the first commercial break, I do do a little bit, words of redneck wisdom. And unfortunately, the guy that I normally quote from is taking a hiatus, which makes me have less material to be able to make fun of him with. But fortunately, uh, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, the silver lining, uh, we have a group of people out in Oregon uh, who will probably give us several quotes for as long as the standoff, or if you want to call it a standoff, takes place. So without further ado... And now, this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. I am 100% willing to lay my life down to fight against tyranny in this country. You have just heard more Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And there you have it, a little shorter version of Words of Redneck Wisdom than we're used to having, but, you know... He is willing to put his life on the line and die for in a fight against tyranny. And so one thing I'd like to um, see is talk about is whether is this is this an example of tyranny that's going on over there right now? And you know I'm one to bring on people, and uh, he's not necessarily on the completely on the other side of the aisle as me because we agree on several things. Um, he has a show of his own, Liberty with a Southern Accent, and we're friends on Facebook. We discuss politics a bunch. We agree some. We disagree some. Uh, I'd like to welcome on the show Anthony Allen. Uh, Happy New Year, Anthony. How are you doing? Hey, LD. Happy New Year, my friend. And, uh, yeah, just uh, another words of redneck wisdom. I have my girlfriend here, and she actually calls you Lieutenant Dan. So I kind of <laughs> thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I do have both legs, so I mean that is that that is I'm, I'm, I do have both legs, so I'm, I'm not I'm not that bad off. But <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I went to Disney. I did go to Disney though, and Lieutenant Dan was played by Gary Sinise, and Gary Sinise is also was in um you know Apollo 13, Apollo 11 or Apollo 13 or whatever it was the movie, and he always seems to play roles where if if you're doing a if you're doing a if it's involving space. Like, something goes wrong. So, of course, uh, there's a ride called uh, Mission Space at Disney World. And who is the person introducing you to the ride but Gary Sinise? So, the first, if anybody's going on the ride for the first time has to know this is not going to go well. So, anyway. Right, but, right, right. <laughs> um, so, we have <coughs> – excuse me. We have a situation out in Oregon. And um, th- this guy is saying that he's going to put his life on his line for tyranny. And, and one of the things that I was, you know, trying to look into the – the issue and 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 understand well, what I, they're I, doing. I would really like to know, Dan. I would really love to know how is he putting his life on the line against tyranny by taking over a bird watching place. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be a very dangerous place to go. It's like well, um, it's very dangerous now. And you know, I'm a you know you're you're a liberal. I'm a I'm a libertarian, and I'm I am probably. Uh, more pro-gun than you ever thought that you would be, for sure. Um, but I am against these people saying that they're against tyranny when if I was to go up there and bring, let's just say, my girlfriend and my daughter up to uh, watch some birds up there in Oregon, which is a very beautiful place. I was just there a couple of months ago. I'm afraid that the tyranny would be the muzzle of the M4 or the AR-15 or the uh, Kalashnikov pointed at me, you know, it, that doesn't seem like you're doing anything against tyranny when you're holding guns on people and you're taking a federal building hostage. Yeah, and I agree. And and they're claiming that they're up there, you know, protesting what's going on to the Hammond family. Um, and the family don't want them there. Th- yeah, they don't want them there. They want nothing to do with them. And it's really, I mean. If there was an issue to be made about what happened to the Hammond family, I would say the only issue I have with that is the issue that I have with any mandatory minimum sentence. Every judge, every court, every court should be able to look into the specifics of a case and say and judge whether or not this particular instance is deserving of more or less time. 
Now, now maybe you want to give at least, you know, some sort of guidelines as to what maybe it should be. But, you know, I, I have a big problem with a mandatory minimum. And I would, well, and you know, I do too. And I, you know, I work in the legal field. Just, you know, I, I don't know. I know you drive for Uber, but I, I think you do something with lawyers, don't you? I used to work for for an attorney for an attorney. Not anymore. I used to work for a disciplinary board for attorney for the state for attorneys. But I'm at I'm doing like okay. health health sector well, stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm so. a I'm a bail bondsman, so I deal with criminals every day. And yes, I do think minimum uh, minimum sentences do kind of violate the Eighth Amendment. That's just my opinion. But uh, this is not the way you do it. You file an appeal. Right. That's how you do it. You get you go to court, you go to arraignment, you leave, you go to trial, then you get sentenced, and immediately after the sentence comes an appeal, if you want to go that way. And right. you're welcome to get all the appeals. We have the greatest judicial system in the world here in America. We have appeals. We have clemency. We have pardons. You right. know, you can get your sentence commuted. You can. There are so many ways that you can get this taken care of. But taking over a bird watching station in the middle of rural Oregon is not the way you do it. And they do appeal. They, they have. Like when the first sentence was 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 handed down, it was I think um, three maybe three month three years for one of them, and a month and a year and a day for one of the other ones, or something like that. And the prosecutors right. appealed the, the, that because they said it violated mandatory minimums. <clears throat> the judge cited the Eighth Amendment, stating that they believe that by the Eighth Amendment that such a, such a sentence would be um, cruel and unusual. Uh, so right. the, they appealed it. The Ninth Circuit agreed with the prosecutors and gave them the full five years saying basically they had to be resentenced because the initial sentencing was in violation of the law. And then, you know, they went, they went to the Supreme, the, then the, Her- the Hammond family appealed that to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, we're not going to listen to it. So right. they had their appeals, it happened, and they, they went to jail. They said, okay, well, you know, it sucks. And they, they you know, they don't feel that they're being done right, but and they're, they may still fight it. I mean, I would, you know, maybe file a, like a habeas corpus petition or something like that saying that you've been, you know, unconstitutionally right. sentenced or whatever, or maybe challenge, make a challenge on, you know, the constitutionality of mandatory minimums, although I'm sure such arguments have been made previously. Well, and, and, you know, we can, you know, in the bail bonds, and Oregon doesn't have bail bonds, but I'm just saying, bail bonds industry, you know, we could do an appeals bond. We can do right. a, a habeas corpus bond. I mean, there there's so many ways. This is, this is why I say this is such a great legal system we have, and the thing is, is none of this matters to the Bundys of the world. Right. The whole thing is, is they're not mad about the sentence. They're more mad about the BLM than they are anything else. And yes, the BLM owns the majority of every state west of Texas. If you are, if you're, if you're in a state west of the Continental Divide then between 60 and 90% of your state, depending on what state you live in, is owned by the Bureau of Land Management. But you know right. what? That personally doesn't matter to me, even though I, I disagree with it and I don't like that this much land is owned by the government and just sitting there. Granted, it's beautiful to look at. Um, my whole thing is is they're doing is they lit fires on land they did not own. If you do not own it, stay off of it. Right. I don't care if the government owns it or if, you know, me and you were neighbors and I went onto your land and lit 130 acres of your land on fire, you're going to be pretty well mad at me, are you not? I'm going to be very mad at you and I'm going to seek uh, probably both civil and, and civil damages and criminal penalties because of it. So, absolutely. Let's go ahead and uh, let me go ahead. We do have another caller. I don't want to make the, let the other caller. Uh, Wait, I'm hold too long. Um, call her your All name. Right, well, don't don't disconnect me because this is how I'm listening. Oh, I'm my dad is low on my phone. Oh, I'm not. Okay. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing well, man. Sitting here listening to you guys. Uh, okay. Did you want to say something or? Oh yes, indeed. Why not? Okay. Well, I mean, to talk about those guys and the whole idea of playing soldier and uh, trumping up grievances that aren't actually real grievances when you get down to the details. 
and you start looking at who we're talking about, which is usually disgruntled people who made something much bigger than what it actually is. Uh, but the, his point about we have the best legal system, uh, I really can't see where. Uh, the violations of the Eighth Amendment, which he clearly brought up a couple of minutes ago, and then you start talking about things like the Innocence Project to where people are being released now because DNA proved they weren't the one who did it. And then you start talking about the process of uh, just money in general to where you have this uh, affluenza kid uh, <laughs> being able to kill people, get away, uh, violate probation, leaving the country, and somehow be able to stay in Mexico and not be uh, shaken back to the United States. So you look at the drug war and everything else, there's no way I would call this legal system anything close to good. Well, they do. I mean, look, I'll I'll agree with both, I guess, in that there are good parts of our legal system. I mean, if you want to compare our legal system to, let's say, for example, um, South South Africa. South Africa just had a case – with the uh, Blade Runner guy. Um, uh, I always call him this. It's Tink Tink from. Uh, yeah, Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, or, or Cat Williams called him Tink Tink. Um, the, uh, he was, he was um, you know, convicted of a particular charge, and then they were able to appeal the actual charge itself and have it moved up from, you know, this one to murder. And that, that can't happen in this country. You know, and, and, and so that's, that's a good thing. That's, I guess, a check mark in the good column for a country. But I'll agree yeah, with but the, but the other what, caller. But do you see what you just did? You, you just brought up one of the most raggedy, uh, poorly run countries on earth and said, well, compared to this, it's not bad. Like, well, no, well, no. Well, I'm, I'm going to make my next point, though. Well, well, oh, I, have no, wait, I, have I have to play poor little Tink Tink because we're talking about Oscar <laughs> okay. Um Anyway, but no, on the other side of the coin, we have we – have, we definitely have. I've talked about this on the on the, on the program before, uh, which is we definitely have two systems of justice in in this country. Where you have, you know, well, actually, we have multiple systems of justice in this country. We have one for the rich and one for the poor. That's clearly in, in say. I mean, I don't think I'd be able to say, you know, go to go to court if I was accused of killing four people in a car, and say uh, my parents were too. Uh, my my parents weren't very well off at all. Their poverty. Um, is going to you know, it made it so that they couldn't teach me right from wrong. So I'm going to claim polio um, and and not and not have to you know be responsible for my crime. So so no that you know I don't get to claim polio. They get to claim affluenza. Uh, the affluenza thing is ridiculous. It, it, it enrages me that 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 actually happened. And you know the the, the attorney that made that argument and and the um, what you would call it the 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 guy the, the psychologist server that that said that he actually came up with the term that psychologist would lose his license to practice. That's just ridiculous. But there, and there are plenty of other, you know, systems. One, of my, one thing that my high, my high school, one of my, my high school um, teachers, my history teachers once said, it was like American democracy is the worst system of government there is except for every other nation on the planet. So it's, it's, you know, we have lots of flaws, but you know, we still have, we still have things that are, I guess, are better than everyone else. So it's so that 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 doesn't make the flaws okay. But you know, it the the system of, of justice that we have does um, make it possible for people like the Innocent Project to come out and do good work for people who are wrongly convicted. And we have lots of cases where you know you have prosecutors trying to make names of themselves and, and trying to become rich with book deals or whatever, because they want to make a big news case out of a, out of a story that turns out that they're, that, you know, they're wrong. Like the Duke Great case, for example, where that, the guy went after um, the kids and one of the guys wasn't even there. He was at the ATM at the time when, when the woman claimed that it happened and he was able to, you know, he was looking for his, to swing to the fences, use baseball analogy from earlier and he struck out, but you know, these people will get, other people aren't so lucky as to have such evidence. And, and you know, there's that documentary that's going on Netflix right now, the making of a murderer. And I, I haven't seen it yet, but it looks really interesting. A lot of people are, are saying that, that here's a guy that was convicted of rape. And then the DNA evidence came out. He was, he was um, acquitted and he was, had a sentence overturned. He got to go free and then supposedly committed a case of a murder and goes back to jail 
And, you know, now he has to fight all this again. And now people are thinking that this is a made up charge too. So um, <laughs> when you have, you know, situation like, you know, um, you know, and then, and that doesn't even get to the whole topic of the problems with policing and law enforcement in this country. That, 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 that is the tip of the spear of our judicial system. And um, what was it? one of the sheriffs down here was critical of uh, one of the other people running for DA uh, because the person was a defense attorney and as such he defended criminals. Well, defense of criminals is one of the most vital parts of our judicial system. And if you're going to be a, a police officer, a, a sheriff, and not understand the importance of why we need um, why we need defense attorneys to defend the you know people who are convicted of crimes, then to me you're not you're not you're not qualified to be a, a police officer, let alone a chief of police. But really, don't want to get into all of the system of justice deals right now. But you know that. No, that's, okay, well, well let, let's 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 not do that. But let's not let's also not you know present this as some kind of sunshine and lollipops and let's just say this thing is ragged. Well, 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 I, well I think the point, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on just one more second. I think the point that Anthony was making, sure. though, is that, you know, that this is not a horrible injustice done to the Hammond family. That the main point that Anthony is making is that this is, this is the Hammond family had their day in court. They lost. They had the chance to appeal. They lost. And this is not an example of, you know, the, these militia people that are coming in trying to claim that they're doing it for the Hammond family. They're not. Uh, I don't think anyone on this call believes that these people are actually doing this for the Hammond family, especially because the Hammond family doesn't want them there. They said, we have nothing to do with these militia types. These, again, Anthony, as Anthony said, these Bundys have a problem with the BLM. Uh, they have a problem with you know the federal government and the control over over land, uh, they're mad that uh, there's still a million dollar judgment against uh, Clive and Bundy for having you know for illegally grazing. Um, they didn't you know as opposed to, I've heard some people say differently, but according to some people, they uh, you know some people of you know, of, of the militia supporters so to speak, uh, they are are trying to claim that that, that the government just said okay well you know, that, that the Bundys won. Well, they won in that the government backed down and, and didn't, you know, and let go of the cattle, but they didn't win in that they didn't prove themselves as victorious because they still owe a million dollars to the government. It's just a matter of when, when the government's going to come collect it or if they're going to come collect it or not, which they should. Um, if, you know, again, you don't have the right to, you know, just, you know, as Anthony was saying earlier, you don't have the right to, to come in there and, and burn my property just because you think you have the right to do so. You have the right to, you know, you have the right to, you know, you know, appeal and 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 try to get redress in 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 the courts to try and you know obtain your money back or or prove that you don't own owe this money for whatever reason. But these people out there are just trying to, you know, they're they're just rabble rousing for the set to me for the sake of rabble rousing. They want to be now. Some of these people I think actually do want to be martyrs. Um, you know, a lot of people, I've had some time conversations, I think this is on Anthony's Facebook page, where somebody was saying that these lands belong to the U.S. people, to we the people. And as such, you know, it's not the government owns it, it's we that owns it. I'm like, yeah, but we the people elected government officials to take care of those lands and to make rules about those things. So you, the individual person, don't get to say how that you disagree with what the decisions of the elected that we, the people set up there uh, to do. You can't just override it by yourself. You don't have that authority. You, the one, one, the person doesn't have the authority to overrule the, we, the people. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're talking about rebels without a cause, basically is what we're talking about. So they, they found one and here they go. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, and, and how do you, um, how do you, go up and protest this thing and plan for a lengthy siege, I guess is what you say, and not bring enough supplies. I mean, they're not, they're, they're not the brightest people in the world either. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I'm fully supportive. I think that everybody should go. There, there's two things 
that, that I've seen people. One of, well, the one thing, the main thing that people are suggesting that they send as snacks are those phallic-shaped gummies, you know, the gummy dicks. And they want, they're saying, just send those over there. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what you want to do. What you want to do is you want to send those sugar, the five-pound bag of sugar-free gummies from Amazon.com that gives everybody the traps. And you send those, and that's going to get rid of them real quick because they don't have a lot of toilet paper either. If they don't have snacks, you better believe they don't have toilet paper. So I, I think that's the best thing to do is send those snacks out there um, or, or maybe send the snacks and send like the really, really cheap bargain brand toilet paper, you know, the, the, the dollar, the dollar for a six pack so one where they, you know, yeah, one, it's just, yeah, one, one ply sandpaper brand. Um, that ought to, you know, that ought to get them out of there real quick, I think. So anyway, let me go ahead and take my second break. Uh, I'll come back and we'll take the, uh, continue discussing this and other issues. Uh, next, I want to talk about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Obama executive order. Um, and if you want to call in as well, it's 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. And this is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Production of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is raising wages for 50,000 city workers to a $15 an hour minimum by 2018. Making the announcement Wednesday, de Blasio said nothing will do more to lift up working families and move the economy forward than raising wages. So he's directing the city to add the wage increase to union contracts and agreements with nonprofit groups to deliver the wage increase to city workers. The home supply chain Menards is having employees sign arbitration agreements that may not be legal. Janet Payne, a nine-year employee for Menards in Indiana, was fired in June of 2014. She brought a federal case challenging her firing under equal employment opportunity laws. Menards sought to dismiss her claims in federal court by producing an arbitration agreement that allegedly required workers to use Menards arbitration rather than going to court. Workers had to sign the agreement to work at Menards. Marissa McDermott, Payne's Indiana attorney, says this allegedly illegal practice at Menards could be much bigger than just this one worker's case. That is really what we see as being the major illegality here, is that we don't know how many people have signed these agreements or have read these policies and felt that they were legal and applied to them, and so they never bothered to call a lawyer. They never bothered to file a claim. They never bothered to pursue their rights because they didn't think they had any. Unfair labor practice charges have already been filed against Menards at the National Labor Relations Board for forcing managers to sign employment agreements that threatened to cut their pay by 60% if workers they managed or Organized unions. OPEIU attorney Seth Goldstein says that violates labor law. McDermott says in Janet Payne's case, they discovered another document Menard's managers were compelled to sign that assessed $35,000 damages against the employees if they violated any terms in the seven page agreement. McDermott says Menards may have violated the legal rights of thousands of workers using these kinds of punitive documents company has instilled in their employees the idea that they can be fired for any reason or no reason at all, and it's a policy that is seen over and over again in their documentation. And that simply isn't true. You can't be fired for any reason at all. There are lots of illegal reasons for firing, but if you're an employee and believe that you can be fired for any reason, then why on earth would you ever call an attorney when you are fired? Wisconsin-based Menards is owned by billionaire John Menard. He is a political supporter of Wisconsin anti-union governor Scott Walker. The most trusted profession trusts Bernie. With that message, National Nurses United kicked off a national Bernie bus tour supporting Senator Bernie Sanders for president. National Nurses United President Deborah Berger says Bernie Sanders best represents nurses' values of caring, compassion, and community. Win is made possible in part by the United Steelworkers. You've been listening to Win Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. 
And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation at 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Uh, I'll bring back both of our callers on in a second to discuss the next issue. Uh, I do want to discuss, um, you know, the executive order by President Obama. And when I first heard it, I was, you know, I'm, 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 I'm personally someone of the opinion that everybody buying or transferring a gun from one person to the person who is transferring that gun to the other person, be it a sale or be it just a gift, you know, should have the responsibility uh, to make sure that the person is legally able, capable of having a gun. So I would like to see laws that are further than this. And I was questioning whether or not, you know, it's good that this president stood up and is trying to do something within the law. And it's good that, you know, he, he's trying to make sure that something is done so that, that we can make it harder for guns to get in the hands of people that shouldn't have them. So, the, but the question I originally had with it was was this was that is is this just a change in policy? How does this particular executive order work? How does uh, how is how are they able to change the definition of what uh, of somebody who is in the business of selling firearms? Uh, is is and is it specifically worded in the law and are are they actually trying to change the law are they trying to make it so that the republicans sue and that it becomes an election issue that people can vote on you know sort of a posturing thing for the for whatever candidate becomes a democratic nominee Uh, but i actually went and looked into the law i actually decided to you know see what what the deal was with the law in and of itself, and what it currently states as requirements as to when a person is required to get uh, a license uh, to sell a gun, and when are they supposed to do a background check. So I'll link uh, it, and I only found that's just a PDF because apparently um, the ATF pages were an ATF. So it's code uh, 18 U.S. Code uh, has the definitions of, these, of the things that are being discussed in the law and it's now taking a thing to, to one but it's basically if you read it yourself, find out it is very vague. It is very vaguely written already as, as determined who is one or who isn't. So it's basically up to uh, ATF, Justice Department, FBI, whoever's really responsible for that, uh, to determine what it is, what what classifies somebody as being a um, somebody in the business of selling firearms and as such required to have a license and required to run background checks. And before, people would say that people selling guns at gun shows don't. Um, well, didn't fit that, but now they're trying to say that they do. Um, so I guess the point is, is that you know perhaps it was specifically vague, and I'm going to bring the two people back in now. Perhaps it was specifically vague when it was written to be able to allow the sort of leeway to be able to say, okay, well, if this presidency wants to be able to enforce it on you know maybe a little more people than another presidency, then perhaps you know that will be allowed by the law. Um, I have a problem with the vagaries. I think it should be spelled out specifically who exactly you should have, should be required to have a license and or required to get a a background check for any transfer of firearms. But to me, that's not going to happen unless the GOP and Democratic parties come together and, you know, work on a bill that actually makes that definition more clear. But until that happens, it's not going to happen anytime in the Obama administration, that's for sure. Until that happens, you basically have to have you're basically relying on how the administrative branch um, is going to interpret uh, what is quote in the business of selling firearms. What is what is that what does that mean? Um, and, and you basically are allowing the executive branch to do that. And people can challenge it if they want, 
And there have been court cases, I think, uh, that have actually held that even the sale of two, two or more weapons may may be may may make somebody be considered in the business of selling firearms. I guess it's really depending on their motives. Were they trying to get a profit? Were they just trying to, you know, just give it to a friend for cost or what have you? But even even at wholesale values, people can be um, held to be um, people who deal in and weapons as, as a business and as such require to have their FFL and their and perform background checks. So no, Anthony, you had a, co- a comment on this or two. So I'll let you go ahead. And I know you talked about this on your podcast as well. Um, so I'll go, go ahead and let you make your points. All right, Dan, first off, Obama's executive orders didn't change anything. They didn't do anything. His executive orders was trying to make it illegal to buy guns online. Unless it's a black powder firearm, you're not buying a weapon online. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The only pistol that you're going to buy online is a cap and ball Colt. And no thug on the street is going to know how to load a cap and ball Colt. To be <laughs> honest with you, I'm a, I, I'm a gun nut, and I don't even know how to load one. Just putting that out there. Um so you can't buy guns online. You can go to centerfiresystems.com and look and try to order a gun online, and you're not going to. You have to send it to an FFL. That's the only way. As far as the gun show loophole that everybody's talking about, there is no gun show loophole. Because I can sell you a gun right now, private sale, just like if I had a table at a gun show, I can sell you a gun private sale. And I would be fine. But if I was a licensed FFL holder, there's no way that I could sell you a gun, period, private sale or not, because there is no private sale. Um, I would actually well, have to I, take I, you – you have to fill out a long form, call it into the FBI, and, you know, I would have to get either delay, deny, or proceed. So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is that I think what, what Obama is suggesting and what is – uh, I think a lot of people are thinking is that uh, what what he's saying with the executive order is that there are going to be potentially more people who they are going to consider uh, to be in the business of, of selling firearms, and that so certain certain people who are calling themselves quote private sellers uh, may no longer be able to give themselves that that label uh, if they are selling or if they if if the ATF or whatever deems them to be um, somebody who's in well, the business now, of Well, now I'm going to surprise you. Now I'm going to surprise you, Liberal Dan, because in my opinion, first off, if I don't know you, I'm not selling you a weapon. I'll buy a weapon from just about anybody, but the first thing I'm doing, whether I buy it from a stranger or from my own mama, is I'm taking it down to the nearest police department, wherever I bought it at, and I'm getting that thing ran. Okay. That's just me. Um, I don't agree with private sales. I think that is. I, I think there ought to be a stipulation to where if a private seller does not do the homework on the person hey, who is selling the gun. I'm sorry. Can you hear me a second? Okay. No, yeah, I can hear you. I, okay. For some reason, the computer is being stupid. Yeah, you're kind of cutting out. It sounds like you have a little bit of packet loss there. I think it's my computer. I don't think it's the packet. But if I disappear, just keep talking. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what's what's going on is um, is if you don't do the homework on the person you're selling a weapon to, personally, I think you're a moron. Okay. And if if somebody uses that firearm, doing something that they shouldn't do, yes, I think you should be held responsible for not doing your homework on the person you're selling a firearm to. That's common sense. Right. You know, if I know you're a felon, I'm not selling you a weapon. You're my best friend or not. If you're a felon, you're not getting a weapon from me. Do the homework. Um, if I don't know you, then I will sell my gun to a pawn shop and let you pick it up from the pawn shop. Or either I will give you the weapon, take the money from you, let you sell it to a pawn shop right there, and then when you buy it from a pawn shop, now you're buying it from an FFL dealer, and you have to go through the background check. You know, if you don't want to get an FFL license, there's so many ways you can do to cover yourself, it's unreal. 
And right. those are precautions that people should take. And look, and we agree. And 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 I I I don't understand the 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 dragging of feet or the opposition that some people have when it comes to not wanting to make sure that background checks can be done to make sure that the people who have who are obtaining a weapon from you uh, are legally able to do so. And it just yep. And now now on the contrary, if I may, Dan, on the contrary, sure. New gun laws would not have prevented Sandy Hook. Sure. All right, because that was a legal weapon in a state that has more gun laws than just about any other state in the Union, with the exception of maybe, I don't know, Illinois. Okay? Connecticut is not an easy state to carry a weapon in. Um, If I do what I do up there, if I do... Up there, what I do in Mississippi every day legally, I'd be a convicted felon in, uh, right. in Connecticut. Mm. So what ha- what should happen is if you know that you have a emotionally disturbed person in your home, you secure your weapons. Right. That's how you handle that. You want to be a gun collector and your child is mentally disturbed, that's fine. Secure the weapon. Um, that's how you... That, that's how you take care of that. Um, you don't have your weapon playing around. If your weapon is stolen from you, my opinion is that you're negligence. I've never had a weapon stolen from me. Right. Now, have you heard me when I when we we both are, know of another host, John Osherland, and and we've we've called into his show previously before. Um, have you heard right. me talk to John about my position on on state gun laws? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, this might surprise you. I think state gun laws are unconstitutional. Be they, you know, I, I don't think the states have the authority uh, to write gun laws. I think that because the Second Amendment states that you have a well-regulated militia, um, that that gives the authority to regulate militias on to the federal government, and as such, it's not inherited by the Tenth Amendment to the states. So the New York gun laws, the Chicago gun laws, California gun laws, any any gun law, really. To me, is unco- it would be unconstitutional, should be considered unconstitutional, and should only gun laws that should be in effect are the fe- are federal gun laws. Um, so I think a lot of these overly restrictive gun laws that are out there, I think, are unconstitutional for that reason, and for the reason of if you don't have uniform gun laws, then it's kind of hard to suggest that you have equal protection under the law. If I can, well, if no, I can that's be, true in, too. If, if I if I that's can if I too. can. If, if concealed carry is allowed in, in one state, not another, then what exactly, you know, how exactly am I being protected equally under the law? There, there, there's an issue there that I think needs to be dealt with. Now, I'm sure, you know, a lot of conservatives probably won't like that stance because I'm saying they'll like it in part of it. They'll like part of it because I'm saying the New York gun law is unconstitutional. They won't like it because I think the federal government has the authority to make the, make the rules and as such not in the state. So it's kind of a, a difference, a splitting the two. But anyway, um, well, before well, we have the about... way I feel, mm-hmm, the, the way I feel about it is this: okay, in Louisiana and Mississippi, you can carry concealed in your vehicle without a permit. You know this, right? Right. Okay, I can carry anywhere I want to in my vehicle in Louisiana and Mississippi. But if you cross over into Alabama, you can open carry on your person, but you cannot carry in your vehicle without a permit. That's just you know, bizarre. A lot of people don't know that because the laws change as soon as you hit the imaginary line called the state line. Right. <laughs> but if you cross That's... back into Florida, as long as your as long as your weapon is securely encased inside your vehicle, you're legal to carry it in your vehicle. So right. I mean, if uniform gun laws would definitely simplify things, yes. But I believe in instead of more gun laws as far as legislating I think they should just put more penalties on irresponsible gun owners, and that would really take care of. I, I think that's a situation where that could work. I mean, a lot, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I disagree with. Um, a lot of times, I disagree with with just penalizing after the fact because that doesn't necessarily protect people before the fact. But I think in this case, uh, you might you might see more of an example of that being a good, of, of that actually working in this particular case, because people, 
individuals may not may fear what may happen to them. Whereas, you know, a lot of times, you know, when it comes to like regulation of larger entities like corporations, the, the people who get money from their illegal actions are more insulated from the bad effects. Anyway, but let's, let's go ahead. We've got about, I typically like to end the show around nine-ish. Well, can I get in about, before you guys move on? Sure, yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, indeed. Uh, first things first, I would say there's probably more good than bad involved in this because no matter what, the idea that anybody should be able to buy or anybody should be able to hold is, you know, is a ridiculous, you know, some, sorry, I got a, somebody calling in. Uh, and I agree. Sorry about that. All right. But, yeah, that, I think that's a ridiculous assumption. But but moving on, no matter what, we're, we're still looking at political theater at a certain level. Uh Obama gives the left what they want. He gets out here. He gives them some legislation. Uh, he gives them the teary-eyed moment, which we'll probably see for the next 30 years. Uh, the Republicans respond with Paul Ryan and his gang coming out against Obamacare and these other things that he's going to veto. So you have people playing their position. I think the one thing that we do know is gun sales are going to go through the roof because we have a lot of people who've been – trained to believe that this man is going to come for your gun someday, and they've all been scared and really reactive to any legislation about guns and the way they typically react is to buy, buy, buy. So I think we're going to see a huge amount of gun sales going on after this, but hopefully we've got some parameters in place to where people who are unstable or mentally ill, to where there's something to where, you know, you have some hoops to jump through before you can obtain a weapon. Hopefully, I think the, I think the people who want to own guns legally, uh, who want to use them responsibly, I think they should have no problem, you know, with doing all that. As you know, as long as at the end of the day, they they basically they get to have what they want. You know, jumping through an additional hoop, I don't think, uh, is that necessarily a bad thing. But let me let me get to the last topic real quick. I mean, I I, I am scheduled. I, I do allow myself to go over a little bit, but you know, I do have other stuff to take care of tonight as well, uh, which is the whole. There's the whole Ted Cruz burger thing. Now, in the, 20, in the 2012 elections, when Donald Trump was toying around with the whole idea of, you know, um, running for president back then, he brought up the idea of, of birtherism again and wanting Obama to provide his birth certificate. And, and in 2008, he had the birthers come up. He had Orly Tates. He had a lot of other people who, you know, who were trying to make claims that Obama was not a natural-born citizen for this, that, the other. And the... Um, the uh, whatchamacallit, you had the um, I'll mute y'all for a second just to uh, go and discuss this, I guess, a little bit. I'll bring y'all back again. Um, so you had the um, you know, reasons for Obama supposedly not being a natural born citizen, many of which were contradictory, being brought up by the same people. You know, people were saying that he wasn't a citizen because of certain things. But then he was a, he lost the citizenship because of certain things. You know, they said, well, he needed to have two parents who were citizens in order to be a quote natural born citizen. As such, he's not a citizen. But when he went to the same people would say, well, when he went to Indonesia and his parents claimed Indonesian citizenship for him, that he lost his citizenship. Both of which are false, by the way. Both of which are absolutely false. Um, you don't you can't lose your birthright just be, before the age of eighteen. You have to, as an adult, give it up willingly, A. B, you only need you – can, you can be a parent or you can have one parent who is a citizen, and if that person meets other conditions, if that person meets other conditions, then, then you can be, have, be a citizen at birth and as such be a natural-born citizen. And this is where the whole Ted Cruz thing comes into play um, because – you know, if you were born abroad to do citizens, well, two parents, U.S. citizens, parents who are married, then you are fine. You are a U.S. citizen. You are a citizen at birth, and as such, a natural-born citizen. Um, Ted Cruz says um, that if you have one citizen and one alien parent, uh, if you, if you, as long as you have one citizen parent, that you are also a natural-born citizen because you are a citizen at birth. That is not all the ways true. A child born to one U.S. citizen parent and one alien parent acquires U.S. citizenship at birth um, 
when the parent has to be physically present in the United States or one of its outlying possessions for a time period required by law applicable to the time of the child's birth. For birth on or after November 14, 1986, period of five years, physical presence, two after the age of 14 is required. For birth between 1952 and 1986, a period of 10 years, five after the age of 14 is required for physical presence in the United States or one of its outlying possessions to transmit U.S. citizenship to the child. U.S. citizens' parents must be the genetic or gestational parents and the legal parents of the child under local law at the time and place of the child's birth to transmit U.S. citizenship. Now, what does that mean? It means that if Ted Cruz, if Ted Cruz's mother at the time had resided in the United States for 10 years, five of which was after the age of um, four, two of which, more at least two of which was after the age of 14. So that means that if she gave birth to a child as a U.S. citizen, that Ted Cruz would be a natural born citizen. And as such, Ted Cruz would be allowed to be president. So Ted Cruz is somewhat incorrect in his statement that just having one citizen parent is enough to be a natural born citizen. He is incorrect on that. He is correct in that if his mother was a citizen at the time of his birth, that he would be a citizen of birth and as such national born citizen eligible to run for president because she met the required times, uh, the times needed to have residency in living in the uh, United States or its territories. So problem, the problem with Ted Cruz is this. There are people who say, and because they're birthers, I take them with as many grains of salt as applicable. There are people who will say that, who have said that Ted Cruz's mother gave up her U.S. citizenship before birth and became a Canadian citizen. If that is the case, then Ted Cruz would not be eligible to be president of the United States. I'm not saying it is the case, but that is the only case where I would suggest that Ted Cruz is ineligible to be president. Um, now, whether or not is this, this, this going to be a big deal, I don't know. Birthers tend to not be taken seriously. A lot of the people who are birthers tend to not, um, you know, not make consistent arguments. So the idea that, that they're, they're going to convince anybody of this um, is, to me, silly. But the, the if I, I will just go and say, Ted Cruz, as I currently understand in his case, where his mother was U.S. citizen at the time of his birth, then he is eligible to be U.S. citizen. And I'll say that so I'm blue in the face. If it showed to me that she actually changed her citizenship, however, then he would be ineligible to be president because he, she would be a non-U.S. citizen at his time of his birth and as such wouldn't confer U.S. citizenship to him. So before I, I guess, close the show, do either one of you want to make any statement on that? Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, uh, if I could get in, because you guys tend to forget me, just, just real quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> firstly, I'll say Cruz is a snake oil salesman and not a good one anyway, but as far as are the there good snake oil salesmen? Ah, there are some that are very good at their job, man. You got to give it up to them. When you oh, okay, so so not but, so uh, not that not that he, not that snake oil salesman can be good, but as a snake oil salesman, he is he is he is talented. That's what you're trying to say. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but but the major point here is the whole idea of the, this bursa thing came about with Barack Obama, who I'm not a fan of, but the, the idea became. This guy must have cheated. He must be some type of plant. He must be some type of something. So the paranoia led to people going down ridiculous routes to try to discredit the man. And right. the reality was his father was actually born in Kenya, but was brought over here uh, during Harry Belafonte and Jackie Robinson's uh, education uh, 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 airlift. Uh, they were actually a British colony at the time, but they were able to get Kenyan students to come over here. So, like his his whole his whole legacy, like it's not hard to find if you actually look it up. There's nothing really nefarious about it. But right. moving on to Cruz and, and this nonsense with him, 
he won't be around long enough for this to even matter, to, to, be, to be honest. But it's, it's really interesting that they went after Obama being birthers, but they never said anything about Romney being uh, born in, uh, what was it, uh, Canal Territory, uh, Panama? So, Well, McCain was, McCain was Canal Territory. Um, Romney may or may not have been Mexico. I don't know. But... Some people, yeah, some yeah, people did, yeah. some Thanks people did make comments about McCain, but it didn't go much of anywhere because um, because it's, ridic- it's ridiculous right. on his head. But I'm just saying the fact that the other side was able to gain steam and turn it to an actual movement where people were actually spending their off work hours, re- so-called researching, uh, googling right. things that agreed with them. So all of it was ridiculous. But you leave some time for my man to go ahead and speak as well. But. Well, just really quickly though, the whole thing it, there are people who are who are, you know, who are people who would say that you needed both parents to be citizens in order to get natural-born citizenship. If any of those people who said that about Obama still support support Cruz or say that Cruz is eligible, that's hypocrisy to a degree. Okay, Anthony, real quick before I have to go because my power cord is downstairs and I'm running low. So. All right. Well, I'm, I'll make it quick then. First off, I think uh, I think y'all are right. Ted Cruz was clearly born in Calgary. He is not a U.S. citizen, natural born, as required to run um, for the president. If you have not lived in the U.S. Uh, prior, or if you were not born in the U.S. after um, right, uh, after the Declaration of Independence was signed, you can't be president in this country. That's the way the Constitution is written, if my memory serves me right. So y'all are right on that. that I think well, no, well, we, well, we didn't say that. Well, we didn't say that. Anthony, Anthony, hold on a second. Yeah. We didn't say that. We, you know, the Constitution does create a circumstance that, that, that says that people are born in the United States. I thought they had to be born after, uh, either after the, the Constitution or after the uh, Declaration of Independence. Well, that made them citizens, but that did not make them um, that, that it didn't restrict other ways to get natural born. Um, well, e- either way, e- either way, these ones that are talking about Obama not being a natural U.S. citizen um, don't need to be going for Cruz for the same reason. And I definitely agree with that hypocrisy. I don't. I don't think that people who were trying to claim that Obama couldn't be president because, uh, or if he had been born on foreign soil, or if you know because he only had one citizen parents and not two citizen parents, anybody who came out against President Obama uh, and his eligibility to be president for those reasons uh, cannot possibly support Ted Cruz, and if they do, they're hypocrites. But at the end of the day, I haven't seen necessarily any evidence that states that uh, Ted Cruz's mother switched her allegiance and became a Canadian citizen before his birth. And as such, uh, according to U.S. law, she would be a she would be a citizen with the requisite amount of time stayed within the country, within the property of the United States. So any child born to her, wherever the child would be born, would be a citizen of the United States uh, upon his birth, and as such, a natural-born citizen. So that that should put the matter to rest. There are some people who still say that it's still unsettled law, including Ted Cruz's professor. Uh, one of his constitutional law professors basically said uh, that this is not settled law, that this this needs should be reviewed, and perhaps even there should be an amendment uh, that could, that should be made in order to make this clearer, because every other qualification is clear. Um, but until that point, I think it's reasonable to say that somebody who is a natural-born citizen is somebody who is a citizen by the nature of them being born. And as such, uh, Ted Cruz was a citizen at birth with his mother being a U.S. citizen for the requisite amount of time in the United States. And as such, he would be eligible to run for president. Uh, and I will repeat that uh, to anybody you know, who tries to say otherwise, unless provided with proof showing that she changed her citizenship to Canadian prior to his birth. And at such point, I would have to change my mind. But I don't necessarily believe that that proof exists. 
I don't necessarily believe that that happened. Um, but that's the only way that I would say that would be possible that he would be ineligible to be president currently. That being said, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Uh, tune in next week, uh, same time, 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. You can catch me at, uh, at Liberal Band Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash liberal band, or as always at liberalband.com. Until then, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.